0: Well, this young man, who emerged from the underground station in Washington, D.C., is still waiting to position himself against a wall beside a rubbish bin. He looked a very ordinary guy. He was a youngish white man in jeans. He was wearing a long-sleeved T-shirt and was wearing a baseball cap. From a small case, he removed a violin, Placing the open case at his feet, he shrewdly threw in a few dollars and some pocket change as seed money, and he began to play. For the next 45 minutes, he played Mozart and Schubert as over a thousand people streamed by, most hardly taking notice. And I'm going to play a video clip now of that scene. It is probably the most boring video clip you will have seen. But just bear with us. Two and a half minutes of showing what happened. See if the thousands passing through that particular underground station had stopped, they might have recognized that young man as Joshua Bell, one of the greatest violinists in the world. They may also have noted, if they took the time, that the violin he played was a rare Stradivarius that was worth over two million pounds. You see, just three days earlier, Joshua Bell had sold out the Boston Symphony Hall with ordinary seats selling at extraordinary prices. But in the subway, Bell garnered about $25 from 27 people who stopped long enough to give a donation. It was all part of a project that was arranged by the Washington Post newspaper, and they called it an experiment in context, perception and priorities as well as an unblinking assessment of public taste. In a banal setting, at an inconvenient time, would beauty transcend? Well, the answer clearly was no. People were too busy or too preoccupied to notice the genius and the beauty that was before them. Now, we're in the last of a brief Series that we've called treasure hunters and we've recognized that we are all wired in such a way that we're always on the lookout we're always running after things or people who we will value above everything or anyone else in the words of Jesus where your treasure is there your heart will be also And therefore, we've been asking, well, if that's the case, if what Jesus says is true, that we're going to be going towards that which we treasure most, the question we're asking is, well, what is it that shapes your behavior and motivates your living and dominates your dreams and controls your thinking? Because if Jesus Christ is not your treasure, then something else most surely will be. And as we've said over these last weeks, he is either, Jesus is either Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. He either has control of your heart, your emotions, your thoughts, your will, or something else does. And the reality is that we are faced with so many Treasures that are competing for our attention that want us to make them in our the primary place of our lives. And we can be so easily, so subtly, so unthinkingly seduced away from the Savior who should be our first love. We can so easily buy into the lies that are pumped out through advertising. Follow this. Your dreams will be answered if you go after this. We can so easily give into the pressure of our peers who tell us, come with us, do this do that, get this, smoke that and you'll be happy we can so easily miss out on real treasure, so what can we do? how do we see through these things? how can we face the pressures of the world? how can we discern the difference between worthless dross And genuine treasure. Well last week we identified that there were some serious problems with the fake treasure. That this world tries to divert us with. You see it can disappear, it can disappoint, it can disable. Those were our three points from last Sunday evening service. And we need to be discerning to see through the lies of those treasures that are competing for our attention. But not only only do we need to identify the fake treasures that will lead our hearts away from Christ, we also need to see the worth and value of Christ himself so that our hearts are drawn to him. So that our lifelong passion and motivation will be to know him better, to follow him more closely, to enjoy him more fully now this is no easy task it's not because Christ is less than worthy it's not because he will disappoint quite the contrary but because we live in a material world where the emphasis is upon the immediate you see I want to see it I want to touch it I want to have it now That's why actually so many younger people, and there are many of you here in this service, find it so hard to appreciate the worth and the wonder of having their hearts captivated by Christ. You see, he he doesn't seem to offer the same immediate payback that the things of this world promise. You know, today, think about what's... Before you, freedom from parents, growing financial opportunities, relationships, careers, possessions, a social life. You see, the horizon for so many of you is quickly broadening. The possibilities seem endless. And the pull of what this world can offer, its treasures, can seem so strong. And it would be so easy to miss the treasure that is Christ as you rush by. It would be so easy to be like the commuters there in Washington, D.C., rushing past, following their treasures, but missing out on something that was of sublime value. So let's take time out to grasp what makes Jesus Christ so special, so worthy, so precious. Indeed, Could I suggest to you that these actually could be the most important minutes you could ever spend? Now I suppose I could spend the rest of this message going through the whole teaching of the Bible explaining how the wonder of Jesus is found on virtually every page there. Or maybe I could outline some of the great doctrines of the Christian faith that unpack this theme. I could repeat numerous Bible verses. I could talk about the names and the titles that Jesus has and all of these approaches would be good and they would be beneficial and it would take a sermon that would last many, many, many hours. So instead, let's take a look at it in another way. Let's turn this whole question on its head. Let me ask you a question. What is it that makes treasure, treasure? Let's work out what it is that makes something valuable and precious. What is it, what is it that gives worth to something? Now I'm not going to have a, a time here of maybe just calling out answers, but why I'd I just like you to tell, Just think of one thing. Everyone here, just think of one thing that makes something valuable. What makes something valuable? What makes something really precious? What makes it treasure? You know, think of something you have, you say, that, that's great, that's beautiful, or, or, or something that you're aware of. But What is it that actually makes it so precious, that makes it treasure? You see, I want to suggest that there are six qualities. There probably could be many more. But I just want to bring before you six qualities that make treasure, treasure. Six attributes that mean something is of great value. Now, maybe some of these will overlap, but I believe it will be helpful to break them up in these ways. Number one, it is the rarity or uniqueness of an object. The rarity or uniqueness of an object. That makes it valuable. That makes it treasure. If you were here uh, a fortnight ago, you'll remember we began this series with an illustration of a Bronze Age treasure hoard that was discovered in a field near Peebles. Now what makes this so valuable is it is so rare. Objects were found that have never been seen before and the rarity or uniqueness of an object gives it worth. Of course, collectors of antiques are well aware of this principle. Indeed, antiques seem to come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. My wife, Kath, who is a very young woman, but she was given a Baco building set uh, by her parents in the 1960s. Now, the majority of you here, you go, Baco building set. You, you will have no clue. Some of us boomers here will go, oh, yeah, we can remember Baco building set. It, it was basically a forerunner to Lego. And uh, she was given to this by her parents in 1960 and kept it in its original box and it was then sold for many times its original value. A Baco building set. Why? Because it was so rare. You see, most normal children would have used or lost or wrecked or otherwise got rid of something like this many years ago. But Kath kept it in the box. And it was rare because hardly anyone would do that with a Baco building set. So when it went up for auction, it made more than it was purchased for. And could I suggest to you that the worth and the value of Jesus Christ is partly bound up with his unique character. There is no other like him. He alone is God let me give you some verses that pick this out John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life John 6.68 Simon Peter answered him Lord to whom shall we go? you have the words of eternal life there's no one else you have them John 14.6 Jesus answered I am the way and the truth and the life No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Do you know why Jesus Christ was such a threat to the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago? And do you know why he is such an offense to our society today today? It is because he cannot be classified alongside the other so-called gods or gurus or prophets who jostle for position in our religious supermarkets. He alone is God. He is the only savior. He is beyond compare. The rarity or uniqueness of an object Secondly, as we think about treasure, could I suggest to you that uh, treasure is of value because of the perfection of an object, the perfection of an object. Now, what I mean by this is that some objects have particular worth or value because they are free from flaws or are of a particularly high grade of material. For example, some jewellery here is of greater value Uh, because the quality of gold used in it is better. It isn't mixed with many other metals or minerals. And as you'll probably be aware, even within diamonds, the, the color, the clarity of a diamond will be affected by internal impurities or structural imperfections. And the trained eye, the experienced jeweler, will be able to discern whether the jewellery is of great value or not, and it is down to its perfection. I suppose similar tests can be applied to people. Does their shape and bone structure fit society's expected standards? Do they have clear skin? Are they free of cellulite? Do they have good muscle definition? Do they have high cheekbones, acute dimple? Whatever is the going thing in appearance. And the fashion industry will pay huge amounts of money to models who meet these external criteria, who are assumed to be perfect in appearance. Can I suggest it also happens to our celebrities? You see, we want our celebrities to be perfect. We want them to be perfect parents or partners. We want them to be full of integrity at every level of life. And we glow with a perverted pleasure every time the tabloids discover some flaw or problem in their lives, which makes them more like us. Well, could I suggest to you that the value And the worth of Jesus Christ is partly bound up with the perfection of his character. You see, he never fell, he never sinned, he never let anyone down. His behavior was never anything less than perfect. He always acted justly and wisely and graciously and honestly. And mercifully, there was never a flaw in his character. Amazingly, he could say this to his accusers there in John 8, verse 46. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Paul writes, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He had no sin. 1 Peter 2:22. he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. This is from Peter. Peter spent three years in close proximity to this Jesus and he comes up with this, he committed no sin. 1 John 3, 5, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. Here is the perfection of this great treasure that is ours in Jesus Christ, the one who was perfectly holy, the one whose character was without flaw, the one who obeyed God in every way, the ways that we would long and and ache for, but we don't, my friends, Spend three years in my company. You don't need to spend three years in my company to discover I'm a sinner. Just, you know, three hours would be enough. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. But thirdly, another test for value, for treasure is the permanence of an object. The permanence of an object. See, I suppose this is another reason for the value that is attributed to golden gems. They last. They don't wear out. They don't fade away. And in a world which is so full of change and decay, such qualities are richly prized. That's why you may decide to pay more for an item in your home, because you know it will last longer you say it makes good sense to pay the higher price rather than buy the cheaper item that will break down and could i say the kingdom of god established by the work of christ meets these criteria matthew 6:19 to 20 Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. We looked at this last week. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. Or John 6, 27. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life. Which the son of man will give you. Or Hebrews eleven, I love this description of Moses, verses twenty-four to twenty-six. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward to that eternal lasting city he could have known great joy, great fun having been brought up in the court of Pharaoh the most powerful man in the world at that time but he saw it was passing and he was looking ahead to what God himself would provide fourth test for treasure or value is this, I think the suitability of an object, the suitability of an object. Let me describe what I mean. If you were stranded in the Sahara Desert, desperate for water, and some traders on camel came by and offered you a bar of gold or a litre of cold, pure, sparkling water, what would you consider to be the most valuable? Or if you were on a sinking ship, what would you value most—the beautiful furnishings and Wedgwood place settings, or a seat on the lifeboat if it is, if the ship is sinking? Well, the obvious answers are obvious. You value most highly that which meets your needs, and the application to Jesus Christ is so obvious. Your greatest need, far beyond that of food or clothing or health or shelter, is to be right with God it is to be forgiven your sins it is to be delivered from the divine anger that you and I so richly deserve you need someone to take your place you need someone who can provide you give to you their perfect righteousness you need someone who can bring you into friendship with God And there is only one who fits the bill and it is none other than Jesus Christ who invites rebellious sinners to come and to be freely and graciously saved. Is there anything of greater worth or value than this? Are there any needs greater than being made right with God? Paul puts it like this as he recognizes how all the earth has to offer is rubbish in comparison to knowing christ philippians 3 verses 8 to 9 he says this what is more i consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord for whose sake i have lost all things i consider them garbage that i may gain christ and be found in him Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is on the basis of faith. Paul says, that's what I value. I can't do it. But there's one who has done it for me. The suitability of an object. Fifthly, I think also the possibilities of an object. Give it great value. The possibilities of an object. I was um, trying to think through what makes the lottery so attractive to so many. Some of you may well remember the story of Angela Kelly from East Kilbride, who won £35,425,411.80p. Her first shopping trip, after winning, was in the company of the Camelot representatives who helped her find a suitable outfit for her press conference. Ms. Kelly said she was taken into shops that she would never have considered entering before her win. She said, I would just walk by and look in the window. I would never go in because I knew I couldn't even afford a scarf from there. Now, that amount of money that she won goes far beyond what Angela Kelly needed. It opened doors that had previously been closed to her. In other words, there is great value, there is great worth to something that enables you to do what you could not previously do. Something that provides you with unthought-of possibilities. And with Christ... There's not only the meeting of our greatest needs, there's also the opening up of the greatest possibilities. Jesus not only deals with our sins, he actually provides us with a new nature, with a new peace, with a new purpose, with a new confidence, with a a new reason for living with a solid certainty of heaven. Ordinary people like us can stride out into the world doing things that God himself has arranged in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The possibilities of an object. But finally, the sixth heading I want to suggest to you for the value of something is the intrinsic value of an object Now, what I mean here is that some objects are in and of themselves of great worth there is something about them that, that resonates with us it can be very difficult to describe but instinctively we know the greatness of what is before us for example if we were all to climb a mountain on a sunny evening and watch the sunset set over the, a mountain range with its audacious reds and purples and oranges, we'd all go, wow, that's incredible. There would be something about it that just strikes a chord within us of wonder and delight. Now, you might well say you can't put a value on sunsets. You don't find them for auction on Ebay. But my point here is that there are certain things which are in and of themselves beautiful and worthy. It might be a painting, a statue, a symphony, a book, a play, and so on, and so on. But it is something that has within itself a worth that we all recognize. And I want to suggest to you that there is a worth and a value and a beauty to Jesus Christ simply and purely for who he is. Peter writes this, 1 Peter 2 verses 4 to 7. But as you come to him, this is Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. Get that, chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious. You see, the living stone being described here is Christ, And he is first described as precious to God. Precious to God. Now think of that. It it means that Almighty God, with infinite knowledge and infinite wisdom and infinite discernment, sees and savors what is infinitely valuable and beautiful. The one true living God values Jesus Christ as precious. Or to put it another way, he treasures Christ. And if God sees Christ as infinitely worthy, then so should we. Which is actually precisely the point that Peter goes on to make. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. So what are you going to run after? You see, you are going to run after something. You, are, you do have a treasure, that directs your attention. So, so what are you going to go after? You see, it's how we are wired. We are treasure hunters. But you might as well pursue that which is most precious and not be sidetracked by the things of lesser worth. How sad to spend the whole of your life chasing treasure that at the end disappoints and lets you down. And re- really, when we have stopped amidst all the rush and all the pressures and all the lies of this world, and when we have considered Christ, there is no contest as to the treasure that should dominate. Our joy and passion and goal should be in going hard after Christ. We shouldn't let the fake treasures of this world seduce us from the one who is most, the one who most fully and completely satisfies the one who is most worthy in Matthew 13 verses 44 to 46 we read this we looked at this on the first of these sermons the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. My friends, what, what's this going to mean for you? You do chase a treasure. There is a treasure, whether you know it or not, but there is a treasure that you're pursuing. Your life, as it were, has a magnetic north and you're going after that. But, but what is it? What is it that's getting you? See, in one sense, I wanted to avoid getting too particular here and giving a list of suggestions, you know, saying, well, in that case, these are the things that you should do. No, no. The whole point of this series has been an attempt to open our eyes to the worth of Jesus and to the danger of chasing after stuff that so terribly disappoints. Now, the reality is it will vary from one person to the next, from one situation to another. And maybe after we've sung, we can not only deal with questions for clarification, but we could also, it'd be good if maybe you could give us some suggestions as to what following after hard after Christ means for you in, in, in real life. I notice on the uh, PowerPoints, we haven't had any uh, phone number or hashtag uh, appended on the screen. Do we have that anywhere, Paul? No, we don't. We, we, in that case, uh, if we don't, we're not gonna have any questions because there's no way that the questions will come in. If we, Sorry, we had hoped that was the case. We thought we'd set that up so that there would be um, throughout uh, something on the screen. So we won't go to um, a time of questions. But you can find my email um, on the church news sheet, on the church website. You can just go into info at charlottechapel.org if that would help. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love you to ask the questions that require clarification. I don't want this just to be a case of, here's a guy at the front and he's spent half an hour, whatever it is, just sort of saying, hey, this is what we should do. I've not been trying to say what we should do. I've been trying to say this is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is the worth and wonder of my Saviour. And how, how do you go after him? How do you make him your treasure? We talked about some of the stuff last week. We talked about just making sure that we are reading his word, that we're spending time in prayer, that we are thinking about him. We talked about making sure that we are furnishing our mind with good stuff. So many great books out there at the moment that you can read and study and I did say if you want a uh, a book list I have got one a basic book list just again email me and I'll just send you by return uh, of email a suggested reading list Uh, what I would call a basic book list something that every Christian should probably just be able to read through and uh, gather for understanding Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so my apologies we'd hope we would do a QA, and a but there's very I don't think we'll do a Q&A with open questions from the floor. That just might be uh, a bit problematic. It, it probably would have been better if we could have done, uh, done it in the way intended. So I'm going to pray, then the band's going to come up, and we're going to finish by singing our closing song. Okay, let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your mercies. We thank you above all for the Lord Jesus Christ and for what he has done for us. We thank you that indeed he is the treasure We thank you that he is the pearl of greatest price and we thank you that in finding Jesus and following hard after him, it is no hardship. Father, we thank you rather it is the greatest joy. And so we do pray that you would enable each one of us to be warned about the fake treasures that this world can so quickly and readily put up before us. And rather, may we understand how lovely Jesus is. May we understand how much he loves us. May we understand something of his incredible grace for sinners like us. Help us to use our lives for his praise and glory. May we not be seduced by the world and waste our lives, but may we be those who honor Jesus in every way and we ask it for his glory and we ask it for our good. Amen.